fucks in deep. Put it in deep. This is Hurdle. He bumps with ball and spins off the hurdle. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Getting a lot of pucks deep. Get pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, wear them down. Get pucks in, pucks in. Pucks in deep, pucks deep. Pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. That's right. Pucks in deep. You heard it once, you heard it 12 times. It's the Pucks in Deep podcast here with Josh Coleman and Adam Lesko. It's episode 17 and we're continuing to just vigorously find things to talk about here on the Pucks and Deep podcast on a weekly basis. I, I thought it was not even a week since we were here last, but let's go. In fact, it, it has been a week. It's been a fast week. Happy to be back. Especially after a few of those games we watched. Well, I mean, our Leaf fans that tune in are going to hear a little bit about what we have to say over the recent skid. You know, they say every team goes through skids. I don't see Tampa going through any fucking skids. No, but they can't lose. Doesn't matter who peak, they've got. They're in peak form right now. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that just means that they won't be in peak form come playoffs if we can get to them. See if the Leafs can round themselves out, get to that peak form and good time to save us all our sanity, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. And... um yeah, all right. Well, we'll 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 talk more about the Leafs as we uh, move on through the podcast. But we got a few things to uh, to get to. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at PuckPod, and uh, you can follow Adam and myself at Lesko for or sorry at Lesko Adam and at Coleman Forty Two. Did you almost blend our handles there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. At Lesko Forty Two and at <laughs> Coleman Adam. That could have been. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know if you're if you're there, you're following us. Uh, if you're shooting us comments, we uh, you know we really appreciate it. What we would even appreciate more is uh, you know if you'd share the link with the uh, for the podcast with some of your friends and family members or coworkers or anyone that you think that uh, you know might uh, appreciate what we bring to the table. Because I think as of right now, let's go. We're pretty safe in saying that we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of like fifty plus. Uh, subscribers, and then probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like 80 plus returning listeners. So there are like 30 of you out there somewhere that listen, but don't subscribe. So let's uh, try and fix that. And then the other 50 that are subscribed, let's try and uh, push the pod a little bit. Don't want to fall stagnant here in the new year. Our new year's resolution is to reach more people. Sounds important. (laughs) Sounds like marketing. At the we end need, of the day. need the metrics. Yeah, we need we need we need the subs. We need the subs. All right, man. Why don't you start us off? Where where are you headed? I know. What was that going. highlight from last night? The hurdle. Oh, that was hurdle uh, against Pittsburgh. So that was the uh, Stanley Cup final from a couple of years ago. Um, just recency bias, I guess. Really, I just typed in like plays of the week on Twitter or whatever, and that one I don't know popped up. So I did the intro though. Did you notice? I did. Yeah. I fixed up the intro. Yeah, it was pretty no good. More, no more minute and a half intro. I know a lot of the listeners, uh, you know, did did like it, but I I did think it was a little bit long. So we uh, I, I tightened it up a little bit, and we're gonna have a, a nice highlight to rip off uh, every uh, every episode. So I think it's gonna be fun moving forward. Yeah, keep it going. Keep it real. So uh, speaking of the sharks, I thought uh, 
It's nice to see that Eric Carlson's finally back. Well, you know what I was reading? Was it yesterday or the day before? I don't know. But I was reading somewhere that he had come out and said that he even admitted that he was basically waiting for the return to Ottawa to kind of be able to close that book. And he can talk to all the media members all he wants about, you know, oh, I just play my game. So you think it was looming large in his mind a little bit? I think so. I mean, for a guy uh, of his stature to come out, like he's not like some third-line scrub, like he's one of the elite uh, talents in the league. And, you know, everyone who, from the casual fan to the hardcore fan, was kind of wondering what the issue was. And, of course, you can always blame it on new system and all of those logistical things that you can talk about on the ice and lineups and chemistry and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, he just didn't really look like the same player. And I think that wasn't, you know, mostly due to the new team and the line mates and stuff like that, but more so, you know, maybe something mental. And this really rings true if it is true. And of course this came from Eric Carlson himself. Like it was in a post game scrum and he had said, you know, I think I was, kind of thinking a little bit about that Ottawa return and to close the book on that and, you know, applaud the fans and get the standing ovation and all that stuff. It was a nice closing of the uh, of the book as far as his time in, in Ottawa as a player. Yeah, it sounds like he was, uh, I mean, it sounds like this bothered him for a while. And it was a terrible experience, so I don't blame the guy either. And, you know, I think it's a combination of factors at the end of the day. Obviously, the new environment is a huge change even they say from the style of uh, hockey that's played in one conference to another so i think that's a major adjustment for the guy too good for him though he's uh set a franchise record with a 14 game point streak a goal was a goal and 24 assists over that span yeah it's insane and uh you know there's lots of good players who've ripped up san jose over the years, you know, Marlowe, Nolan, Nolan, to name a few. Yeah, Jumbo Joe, Thornton, Joe, of course. Just played in his thousandth game. Scored, too. Yeah, so it's, that's impressive for Carlson and good for him. I, You know, I think the biggest adjustment is maybe not necessarily having to be the guy anymore. And, you know, you're playing with another uh, elite all-star defenseman in Brent Burns. So that's obviously an adjustment for a guy, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it, it must feel so good, too, for him knowing that like you say, he isn't necessarily the guy. He's one of the guys. Yeah. Of course. And, yeah. uh, you know, if he stays there, we don't know, right? He's he's a UFA at the end of the year, so we'll see how that turns out. Actually, yeah, I, I don't want to move on from that. I what think, do you think? Yeah. I think he hits July 1. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But yeah. do you think he goes back? or did, do He you might. Think, he might. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he'll hear them out for, for sure. But he's he's going to go and, and see what's out there and get paid. Yeah, I think so. He didn't so. go through all the shit he went through in Ottawa to not go and get his money. Good point. And I mean, I think, I you know, San Jose's got to be a little lucky in that sense where it, let's say the team isn't where they might want it to be. But in this case, they, they are. They're doing quite well. They have um, the best chance to re-sign them for sure. Yeah. And I would. And, and because they're right now, this is a, uh, this entire year is basically a, a testing out of how well that they can make this guy happy. Like they're really trying to make him happy and make him comfortable and do everything they can to make him want to stay there. Well, and what I was going to point out was the fact that they're in San Jose, California. So, yeah. right? I mean, what I was getting at was the team might not be, you know, as good as some other options that may or may not be available to a player like Eric Carlson, but it's San Jose. Yeah. I mean, do you really want to move to 
Colorado and try and put that team over the top because they've got a great first line. Maybe they get another winger or something, and now they have two really strong yeah. lines. And then you've got you know your Tyson Berry and your Eric Carlson back there. He's got to know the plan in, know. in San Jose, and he'll get to see it front row seat to see what they have and what's coming down the pipeline for them. Well, what they have right now is an undefeated record in 2019. They haven't lost since December 31st, and that was a a high-scoring effort against Calgary, an 8-5 loss. So if you factor that in, they could have won that game. I think they're going to run away with that division. You think so, eh? Yeah. So what are the points at right now? Uh, Oh, they're only one point back of Calgary. But how about, like... That's pretty sick, eh? Like Calgary last five on the sportsnet.ca standings. You can head there. Uh, Calgary through 47 games. They're 30, 13, and four. And they're uh, unbeaten in their last five. San Jose, uh, 48 games played. They're 28, 13, and seven. And they are undefeated in their last five. So yeah. some pretty strong, strong performances from uh, two teams in the Pacific Division. And really, um, you know, they're the only two that are screaming to me to be the teams that may be able to run away with this. I think Vegas does have an opportunity to do that. They had some injuries uh, throughout the first part of the season. Of course, the suspension as well. Yeah, they've gotten healthy. They're coming around. And they have a really strong schedule. They're scoring quite a bit, actually. They have a really, really, really strong schedule coming home. I believe it's the second strongest schedule coming home. Uh, Ironically enough, the the strongest schedule coming home is Calgary. Well, and their home barn makes a big difference. I was listening to an interview uh, with those, some of the players on uh, Spit and Chicklets, actually, uh, Mark Andre Fleury, and uh, anyway, they were saying uh, that it definitely was huge playing at home in Vegas. They have an unreal crowd there, great environment. Well, and I'm just digging this up here on my on my spreadsheet too. The uh, they have a ton of home games in uh, in comparison to their away. Yeah, they have. Well, that would make their schedule yeah. easier. So right? as of January first, like my 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 spreadsheet was as of January first. Um, so the rest of the season of, of the 2019 calendar year, 20 games at home to 13 on the road. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's big. They're like going to light it up. Yeah, that's that was at that time, that was by far the the most lopsided home and away schedule of all the teams in the league, which is one of the main reasons why I didn't make a couple of uh, fantasy trades where people were trying to uh, snag up some of my Vegas players. Like low, like low end guys. I shouldn't say low end guys, but not high ticket guys, like first round picks or something crazy like that. Like an Alex Tuck or you know uh, Cody. Dude, I pick up. Cody Tuck. I picked up Tuck before he started getting real hot, just because he had decent numbers and he's on like a nine game. I know, break right and now. and it's gonna be even crazier, I think, coming home because, like you said, the barn is a great spot to be in Vegas, yeah, and they've got a ton of finally, home games. So. so good for them. Yeah, right on. So Rick, right. Rick Nash finally yeah. announced his retirement. I know you wanted to talk about that. Um, yeah, well, a bit of a shame, I guess, how it ended for him. It, it seemed like he he was wanting to come back, that's for sure. And it, you know, it obviously kind of given the timing, he probably waited till, you know, he, he well as long as he could, wait as long as he could. And I'm not sure if he was out there like angling for a contract during this period of time, but it sounds like it's a medical issue more than anything. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, what I read it, the uh, statement from his agent was that he was being forced to retire due to concussion symptoms. So yeah. at this point, it was. I think a smart decision uh, for a guy like Rick Nash. I mean, there are some players in this league that are still looking for the bone-crushing body check. They're, well, and I think it's not this, quite out of the league I yet. I think at this point in time, too, he probably wouldn't pass team physicals anyway. He, oh, good point. You know, he yeah. wouldn't even make it through 
uh, you know, make it through the the testing and all that. Yeah, good point. So, I mean, for me, uh, the reason why I think it's a good decision is because it, he may be in the position now where one more could be detrimental to his his future. Well, it sounds like he could already be at the point where he might have had his one more already. Oh, you know, obviously, if he can't play due to concussion yeah. issues, then it's one too many, right? Right, but what I'm saying is if he... last time he played was for Boston in the playoffs last year, correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what exactly happened to him in that moment, but... Yeah, six anyway, points. Anyway, he was a wicked, wicked six player. Six points, 11 games. I guess we won't talk about all the negatives, but he was a wicked player. He had over 1,000 games played and 800 points. Mm-hmm. Very impressive. He was Mr. Team Canada there. He... Played for Canada, what, eight, nine times, basically, and cleaned up with three gold medals. Very impressive showing. Yeah, he was. Uh, tw- I'll remember him for the mitts, too, especially. Oh, yeah. Gold in, gold in 2010, gold in 2014 uh, in the Olympics, gold in tw- uh, 2007 uh, were the world championships and two silvers, and then, of course, silver medal in his uh, one and only yeah. stop for the world junior championships in 2002, silver medal. No cups, unfortunately, but uh, I guess that's what happens when he would kind of played most of his career in Columbus when they he was it, essentially. He was the only good player they had. Like I think that well, they made the playoffs once throughout his whole entire career over there, and you know he finally got a taste of it when he was with the Rangers. and Four-game sweep was actually, the one time he made it with Columbus. Yeah, yeah. Three I, points in four games. I was a big fan of the Rangers like kinda at that time, you know, right around when he showed up there and he – they took uh, some pretty deep playoff runs, and I thought they were going to win one for sure during that span that he was there. Well, I mean, it was a good spot for him to be, and you're right. They did have a couple of deep runs, uh, specifically 2013, 2014. He played 25 games uh, in the playoffs, you know, 10 points. So he wasn't really in his prime. But speaking of his prime, um, for me, the biggest the biggest disappointment that I'll have when, when the book is closed is that they wasted his prime. Um, like he was at the top of his game playing for a team that had no business even being in the league. I know that I don't mean that they shouldn't have been in the NHL. It's just, they weren't, well, they, they just, weren't good. They were poorly run. And, yeah. Uh, there's a certain sports net anchor who might defend some of his record on that, but who's that? <laughs> um, uh, McLean. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But I mean, honestly, dude, like the, this Rick Nash thing, it kind of likens me to the Edmonton McDavid situation. I mean, if they don't figure out their, their, I don't know, their situation shit. from top down. <laughs> I'm not talking about the players. <laughs> I'm talking about top down. Like <laughs> I had this conversation last night in the dressing room at Tuesday Night Hockey. Like th- I feel like they're the Oilers are right where the Leafs were when we needed to shake up ownership management and get some new faces with with a with a fresh perspective and a yeah and a go getter. Not attitude. easy to do though. They've been entrenched in that whole situation for a very long time. So uh, lastly, on Nash, I wanted to. Say uh, say my story about Nash because I love it. Um, I was uh, I used to go to tons of Sens games and um, I have a lot of jerseys from. Uh, well, I just have a lot of jerseys. One of them was Nash, uh, Columbus jersey. I don't even know what year it was. It was the year before he got traded to the Rangers. That's so like 2010. Well, it was just before the the 2012 2013 lockout. So he yeah. played his last season with Columbus before the lockout. Then, um, you know, started with the Rangers in the abbreviated season. That was when we had the abbreviated fucking half season or whatever. So anyway, um, I end up getting his autograph. He's coming off the ice at the end of warmups. He always was dicking around with pucks and throwing them over to the crowd. Like I kind of had my jersey off already with the marker and and he come flying off the ice and he's like, oh, hey, he's like, 
cool jersey and he signs it and I'm like, yeah. And, and anyway, I don't even remember what happened, but he was there for a little while. Like he didn't just sign it and fuck off. He was cool. Like he was like, yeah, cool jersey. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't see too many of those like around, uh, you know, where I'm from even. And I said, I laughed and then whatever, a little jokey joke. And then he fucked off. So I guess it was a year, maybe uh, even longer later after he was traded to the Rangers Again, because I have so many fucking jerseys. And disclaimer, they're like the fake Chinese ones. They're not real, <laughs> all right? I'm not like pumping all my dollars into that shit. You're buying counterfeit yeah, yeah. NHL merch? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, I go to the game. I'm down by the fucking glass. He's ripping around, shooting pucks at the glass, like flipping them over to fans and shit. I take my jersey off and I hold it up in front of me, like to the side. And I'm showing like Nash 61, right? Like, hey, I'm here. I want you to sign this shit. So as he's skating around the ice, on his second final lap, he points at it. Fucking gives me the old thumbs up there with in his glove. Thumbs up. I think it was thumbs up. Then he skates around one more time, comes off the ice. And the first thing, I didn't even say anything. He goes to me, you got my Rangers one. <laughs> I go, what? Because I didn't know what he was talking about. I go, what? He's like, yeah, I see you got my Rangers one. Weren't you here with my Columbus one and I signed it? And that, was like go, a, that was like a year previous. Yes, because wow. it was his last year with Columbus. And then that's when, <laughs> like I said, he got traded. And I was like, oh, I love Rick Nash. I'm going to get his Rick Nash. And I loved him even more because of the personal experience I had when he signed it and kind of shot the shit with me for like 30 seconds and then left. So I wanted to get another one. So I did. And I said, I'm going to that Sens game because he's there. And maybe I'll get this one signed. And my friends were like, yeah, you're crazy. There's no way. I said, well, he already did it once. And not only did he do it again, the fucking guy remembered it. I'm did telling he, you, uh, he remembered it. It was insane. Did he personalize it? Uh, no, it was the same, kind of the same thing on both of them though. Same, yeah. same signature, yeah. I should have said something actually, because he would have probably. Well, I wonder if he would have thought you were showing some schmuck. Like, you know, they think like a, oh. a signed autographs for adults. Like, I used to in your early 20s though. So. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I'm, yeah. But even still, like, I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I hate that because I'm a paraphernalia person. Like, you yeah, look around my basement. Yeah, I exactly. Love this shit. I, I think would, they just, yeah, they just assume that you are though, because like, you know, the market for that kind of stuff. It does right? happen. Yeah. It's, it's so saturated because people like, you know, hound fucking athletes, yeah. get them to sign shit so they can hawk it out on the um, internet. Actually, on one of my groups that I'm in that um, shares and sells and trades Leaf and other memorabilia, um, there was a big signing recently and Marner was there and Anderson were there. And in order to have something signed and you could only have one article, no pictures. Yeah. One article was 450 bucks. Okay. From each player. So the, the one guy that I was talking, or I wasn't really talking to him, but he was messaging the other guys. So they found a way to make money on it. Well, he did too. So he was first in line. For or was Mar this like a charity thing or something? Well, the players get, get paid, but they donate what they get paid right. every time. Okay. And this is a known thing. This isn't something right. that they just think. What it's, was this at? Um, well, it's just somewhere at like one of the large uh, like um, paraphernalia stores, like or mem it's not paraphernalia, memorabilia stores right. down in Toronto that sell like signed things, and they have signings. Okay. So they okay. pay the player, you know, whatever twenty. It's usually I think they I think don't put me on the record, but I think it's like twenty grand. Wow. The players will receive to come and do it, and it's funny. Like the picture the guy sent me, he took a picture of Marner 
Like, cause you can't get a picture with the player, but he took right. one and you're allowed to just do that. sign an autographs all goddamn day. Yeah. And like, <laughs> dude, he's in like a hoodie, like a Nike hoodie with a fucking little old backwards hat. Like yeah, he just yeah. looks like a, I think he was wearing joggers. Looks like some kid. On yeah. The, like he just, some skinny jeans. He looked like <laughs> someone who should have been in line. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> to I, get an autograph. I but know. He doesn't look like an I can't remember player. what the guy said to, I wish I had it in front of me, but he said something at, towards the end of the day, like Marner ended up like saying that's it like because he went they went an hour past there a lot oh yeah they went an hour so past, they probably yeah. want to get the hell out of and there. then he said that's it like i just can't do it anymore and you know what some people were like i can't believe he would you know blah 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 like come on man yeah give me a break give me a break <laughs> like you know i i would think i would think uh if there was no reason for a player not to sign and he didn't maybe i would kind of be upset about that but overall you can't be upset when a player refuses to sign your shit I mean, it's not their job to sign your stuff. No, obviously not. You know, and especially at a signing where they've been doing it for hours upon hours and then, and then all of a sudden to, to expect more out As of it. As a grown-ass like, man, I wouldn't even feel comfortable asking. Well, you see, that's where you and I kind of differ because, like, I've got a sweet Matthews and a sweet Tavares. Well, if I saw one of those two guys somewhere, like, in, a, in an area where I could be like, yo, will you sign my fucking jersey? It would jersey? really depend on the situation and the circumstances. Like, what a thing to have because I would I would spend money, let's say, on, like, a authenticated Matthews yeah, signed shit. whatever. But then that's going to cost me $877 when I could get a $400 Jersey and actually get it signed like myself. Like I'm not necessarily going to hang around the rink after practice not or one creepers, not one of those creepers. But if I saw a guy like all of my signatures that I own were obtained by me in person at Sens games. Yeah. And there's a bunch of them like a Jeff Skinner, which is kind of cool on a Carolina Hurricanes jersey. <laughs> like, you know, those were just cool things that I had and I'd wear them to the arena and be like, maybe this guy will sign it. And I think in many cases they signed it because they weren't necessarily the star players. Of course, Nash, uh, right. not not a, not in that category. But anyway, yeah, I like signed shit. I, I like to have it. I don't, like you say, I, I do kind of agree with you there though. I'm not going to like creep around looking for it. But if if the opportunity struck, I would I would definitely do it for sure. Yeah. So where are we at now? Uh, well, you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to talk about, but let's talk about for just a second here. Sens, uh, arena development. There was an interesting, major uh, business, serious businessman news, businessman (laughs) news. That's right. We're taking it off the ice for just a moment. We have touched on this, uh, into the courts. We have touched on this in the past on the pod. So we'll just bring you a quick update on it. Um, so basically what happened was originally there was a runner up bid for the location at Le Breton Flats. A bunch of businessmen in yeah, business that's right. suits. Yeah, headed by a man named Andre Desmarais. The uh, corporation was called, it's called DCDLS. Brutal and, acronym. Yeah, that is bad. Just DCD or something. Anyways, DCDLS, they uh, they submitted a, uh, a proposal to purchase the Le Breton Flats location at the same time as Eugene Melnick. And lost. And John Ruddy. Yes, they lost. They were the runner-up bid. Um Throughout the following months, Melnick was uh, brought uh, uh, to the attention that DCDLS was somehow, some way, be- trying to become involved even after they had lost the bid. So that's not allowed, and Melnick threatened legal action against Andre Desmarais and DCDLS for fucking around with the process when they didn't have any legal right doing so. So that was several, several months ago. Today... I'm reading in Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts that not only has legal action not been taken by Melnick against DCDLS, but Melnick has actually invited 
DCDLS to be a part of the mediations that are ongoing to try and sort this bullshit out. So I find that very interesting. A guy and a group that was about to be sued by Melnick for fucking around with negotiations after they had lost the bid is now being invited by the guy that threatened to sue them just like 60 days after the fact. So it's very strange... I don't know why. You don't it, know why. I don't Nobody think knows it, why. I don't think he acted alone. It's, other, it's definitely other people's ideas. It's just Melnick reached out on because he has to because he's the main character in this scenario. He is. And he, but he, I think this involves the NCC. I think there's a lot of politics in, in on this for sure. Yeah, there would be. There always is, right, when we're talking about... Well, like, we're talking about the NHL, the NCC. Billions of dollars. We're talking about the city of Ottawa, the federal federal government, like... And speaking of the federal government, the, the extension granted by the NCC um, is to February 28th. So they have extended the uh, negotiations until February 28th. If there's no resolution by that time, then the entire issue is going to be shelved until after the federal election, which, of course, is in October of this year. So it's not a super, super delay, but that means that there's no They're in desperation to try and sort this out yeah. now because they don't. that's a huge delay for a project that's already been delayed and is completely up in the air. So. Yeah, it's off the rails, as you like to say. And one last thing, um, I just thought it was interesting too that Friedman brought up something that I had said on the podcast last time we were talking about this where I was beginning to wonder if the NHL may step in and try and influence the outcome in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I was speaking specifically with regards to Melnick. I was, and I'll, I'll, I'll stand by that fact. I'm wondering if this might be an NHL-influenced um, decision uh, for Melnick to open the invitation, because I don't know if a guy like Melnick would have gone back on what he said to invite the guy that he just threatened to be a part of the, the negotiation and the mediation. It just seems really strange to me. Yeah, it's a weird situation, and I'm very interested to see uh, kind of what comes out of it anyway and to see if something gets done before that deadline. Might have some answers sooner than we may have uh, thought. Yeah, that's right. You're right. We will have Because I know it all goes to answers. shit eventually. Yeah. Like, I know it, it, they're going to have to, you know, there was speculation that we're going to have to hit the reset button if this doesn't get sorted out. Which would be terrible. Yeah, Because, awful. again, as as Friedman pointed out in his last statement on the on the deal, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, the future of the team is downtown and everybody knows it. And the sooner that it happens, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we'll see because it, it is interesting and uh, the developments are going to be interesting to follow. It's almost, uh, it's eerily similar to the Jim Ball, silly Blackberry Phoenix Coyotes uh, situation that went on there whenever that went on back in 2006 yeah, or something. Except yeah. you never owned a team. No. Yeah. <laughs> actually. Great point. Yeah. Great point. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, what do you want to talk about now? Did you want to talk about some standings? I'm liking the standings interesting well it, it's a lot of it's what we called earlier in the year i mean we said uh for instance in the east we said uh washington and pittsburgh would figure it out and i mean pittsburgh especially they were sitting in the basement i that, think at one point yes. when we were recording pittsburgh was and they finally scary. fought their way back into the picture which is absolutely not a surprise but uh they're uh they alongside columbus also seem to be pulling away right now in the eastern conference uh from their co uh competition and uh, making themselves a little comfier, I think, in the playoff race. Um, some of the teams that have fallen off, I thought, in the last little bit was Buffalo. Um, the most notable being Buffalo because they were being propped up by that 10-game uh, winning streak. And propped up by great goaltending, and yeah, now they're not getting it. They're not it. getting it. Yeah, you're right. That's all it is. I yeah. mean, 
you want to talk about that? You talk right about the Islanders too. The other thing about Buffalo I'll note is that during that 10-game uh, streak, they had several games they won in OT and several more they won by one goal. So, oh yes, it, at overtime, lots of yeah, overtime. Yeah, there uh, a lot of people were talking about the, you know, the luck had run out somewhat in that regard. Sorry, I was just having a quick peek at there. Yeah, so they have and they won 3 games in the shootout as well. Yeah. That's uh, something interesting to point out as well. So, um yeah, they they took extra time. They're they're minus 4 uh goals for versus goals against uh, on the season and yeah, Buffalo. Um, at this point, they've they've fallen out of the contention of maybe grabbing a divisional playoff spot, which I think would have been a surprise to everybody. I, I think everybody must have had Tampa, Toronto, Boston. Would you not agree? There's no way that another Eastern team would have would have thrust themselves into someone's predictions. Yeah, and right now Montreal's hanging around. Um, but no one, no one expected that either. No, not at all, but I think they're making that whole playoff picture interesting and making it obviously harder for Buffalo to uh, to get themselves a spot because if uh, right now, while they're having a hard go, Montreal's been playing fairly strong. Well, here's the, here's the sticking point for me, Lesko, is you've got the first wildcard position is Montreal with 57 points, and then the second wildcard position is Pittsburgh with 56. Then we have a four-point drop-off for the third and obviously, you know, not in the playoffs position for the wild card uh, on the outside looking in the Buffalo Sabres. So there's a little bit of separation there, man. It's not like they're tied or, you know, one or two points back. Like they're four points back. That's two victories and having obviously Pittsburgh lose twice. So it's not, people always like to say, oh yeah, there's lots of time. Anything can change. And, And while that is true, and I do agree, it's easier, I think, and it's it's easier on yourself as a fan if you look at the overall picture and say, okay, in our remaining 37 or whatever it is, however many games we have left, if in our remaining 37 games, we have to go blank, blank, and blank to make the playoffs. And that's when you see immediately that there are teams where there is just no hope. Yeah, you There's think, just no hope. You would think they definitely have a win target that uh, they're planning on achieving if they think or I guess the amount of wins that will allow them to get themselves into the playoffs uh it's it's becoming increasingly hard though when you're in such a a very competitive division and I mean your regular competition is stiff and they're going to keep winning too let's go it's not like you're the only team playing every night exactly (laughs) there's points trying trying to keep up you know even for the Leafs right now trying to uh well they can't keep up to Tampa obviously nobody can at this point no that's that Um, that's a pipe they're they're running away 74 points Tampa is 36 9 and 2 through 47 games. Yeah, for they're on pace for points. something stupid, like 130 points would be the most, po- or 120 sec- points. Yeah, the, second most points ever. since like 96 Red Wings or some shit. Yeah. Crazy. So, but I mean, just one last thing on Buffalo. Like for me, a lot of it too has to do with the, uh, like the NHL 500 standard and how, you know, people don't really consider the OT losses as losses because because they're in another category, right? But like right. if you, because... 23, 17, and 6 sounds not too, too bad, right? But it's just 500. It's 23 and 23. Yeah. Uh, In 46 games played, you were the victor 23 out of 46 times, which means to me, I don't care that you got a loser point. You lost the other 23. Yeah, I think the outlook looks bleak for them essentially because they're they're cold lately too. Like They were so hot and then they've been so bad. 
Uh, I think it's since early December they've been bad. Yeah, it has been. But you know what hasn't been bad throughout that stretch is Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner he still, still has been scoring. Up. Yeah, still scoring goals. And thank so. God because I made a. Uh, I may have made yeah. a reactionary him and, him, trade. Him and Eichel have been fantastic so far, and I think are. You know, they'd be the reason. They're the reason why they are where they are right now. Yeah, well, and you lose Eichel for you know for however many games they lost, and they lost him for a pretty decent chunk of time, right? Yeah. So that obviously contributes. But I think it for me, if I'm if I'm pointing a finger, let's say I, I'm probably pointing it in in, in the blue paint, because uh, if you're not getting the save, you're not getting the win, and if you're giving up a soft goal, you know, every game, then it's going to just be difficult for your team to play with any confidence. And we can look across the uh, across the continent or middle of the continent, I guess, and, and look at St. Louis. They do the same thing, Lesko. They, they play good games, but they don't get good goaltending. Yeah, they, ha- they got they have a few been wins. Lately. They got a yeah. few wins from Biddington. Yeah, Jordan there. Biddington. I've never heard of them before, and he it was 3-0 three, three last time I checked. Yeah. Uh, did, you, did they win last night? I don't I don't uh, think I saw. What do we got? No, they lost. Uh, they lost in OT okay, last so night lost, too. And uh, I saw that Tarasenko was finally bearing a few goals, which is the good for them. But is there any bigger tire fire right now, though, than the Anaheim Ducks? Oh. Jeez, and they're they're clinging on to Carlisle. Apparently, they you know they're not the type to fire a coach in the middle of the season. I guess is what I heard about it. You know what gets really bad? I'm looking on NHL.com. I do like their standings as well because they show you the, the last 10. Uh, you know, sports. Yeah, and they've is, lost 10 straight. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 12. It's 12 now? It's 12. Yeah. And what I was getting at is exactly that. I said, you know it's really bad when you're on the NHL.com standings and the last 10, they can't even try to make you look good some way, somehow. <laughs> oh, 6 and 4 uh, in the last 10. And you don't even know that it actually goes further than that. So Yeah, that's got to be a crappy situation. And I figure if you're Carlisle, I don't know. He's got to think that this is about it. Like he, they've been awfully generous to him, even bringing him back there after his debacle over in Leafland. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I mean, I'm okay. Like I wouldn't have said that the debacle here in in Leafland would have been like his demise or or the means to his end. I don't think that that would have been the case. I think he would have got a shot somewhere else. But outside of that, you're right. I think the leash is. I don't know. They've extended that leash. They yeah. put two or three leashes together yeah, sure. to keep them alive. It's a patchwork of leashes. Randy and the cheeseburgers are not doing too well. Right yeah, now. It, it's too bad. And a lot of it, you know, we've talked about this a few times in mentioning Anaheim and has to do with the uh, man games lost injury. and John. But apparently John Gibson is the only thing keeping them from being like, you know, on track for the worst season ever, essentially. Well, he was... Um, he was the only reason why they were any good and now they're no good and he's just uh i think he's just a a pawn well he's gonna he's gonna get exhausted too because you think of all the shots he's facing like their um their shots against against is one of the highest in the nhl right now i have him in two out of my three weekly fantasy pools and i've lost goaltending every week for the last however long. I'm sure your save numbers were decent because of all the shots he faces. But my what? one Do of you the get points for saves. Well, one of the two leagues I'm in, or I'm in three. I have them on two of three. Yeah. I would have liked to have had them on all three because I like doing that with my goalies. It's nice to have them. Yeah, but not you know. that goalie. <laughs> no, but but the thing is, is going into the season, like if they're going to be mediocre playoff bubble team, he's going to be their go-to guy, and I'm okay yeah. with with having him on there. 
Um, also because they play on great nights. They play often on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. Yeah, but I, I, I guess one of my philosophy towards goalies is going for the goalies for the best teams, for the not teams. necessarily the best goalies. But that's only for – it depends on what your categories are though, right? Because then like, yes. if, if wins are super huge, yeah, you know, then that's fine. But if you have goals against and save percentage, right. then uh, you, know, you might get the win, but – they yeah. scored seven and <laughs> well, you got to think, you know, you know, you look at the ones who are leading the league and wins are also up there. And yeah, for most, sure. Uh, most of the st- statistics as well. But yeah, moral of the story, um, not good enough from Jake or excuse me. Um, well, Jake Allen too. <laughs> so who do you <laughs> think, from uh, which are one of these teams, I guess that we've kind of, I guess, harped on over the last little while, which one of these teams is in uh fire sale tank mode this year? Who's well, gonna, or who's going to pull the plug first? Well, I I was thinking Philly. Um and the main reason is because of the trade chips that they have. I think they have great ch- trade chips are available. Well, cuz they're a good that's the, that's they the have difficulty good I have wrapping my head around Philly still is that they have a good team. Like they you look at the roster on paper, that's a great team. They have, you're right, they have lots of good trade chips. They have they have excellent young 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 prospects, but I would assume you'd be moving away from the guys up in their early thirties instead. But I mean, they just signed JVR. Like, well, they thought they had how, they thought they had invested, they might have had something. I guess you know? we'll find out how invested they are in their core over the next I don't know six to eight months. Who is their core? Well, their core has been the same players for a while. You know, you look at Drew Voracek. Right, but they're going to be losing. Uh, I mean, they're going to be losing a guy like Wayne Simmons. You'd have to imagine. Yeah, and judging by the amount of ice time he gets, I don't think they they value him very much. But they they just did. They just did value him all kinds. Like he's been a great player for them over the last few. He seasons. has been, and I, I've never understood. Or so far this year, I haven't understood why he, you know, he hasn't. I know the team's been bad, and I I know that affects everybody's stats, but. I, I look at where he is in the lineup. He's often on the third line. He doesn't seem to be – he's been on the second power play unit or not on the power play at all. Yeah. Which I, I don't understand either. So who the, who know, who knows what they're thinking? It seems like the, all the rumor mills and the trade bait boards and all that shit points towards him on his way out. I So, yeah, my, my top two there – It's his turn to cash in, right? I agree. He's at that age. Yeah, I agree. My top two uh, to lead the, the fire sale – uh, candidates would be uh, Philly and LA. And I just think that one of the main reasons for that is because I think in those two markets that it has become like toxic. I don't think it's toxic in Detroit because they kind of know where they are or they knew where they would be, I guess you should say. And then same thing in Chicago. Um, again, you know, they've went through some great moments where they won multiple cups within a few years this is what happens in sports. You go around the circle. You're at the top of the circle, and then you're at the bottom of the circle. I wonder. If Can you win when you're at the top? Is the question. I wonder if that's going to involve new management for that franchise as well. Potentially, and that's why Philly is there for me because they just recently went through the new. Right, management, they've cleaned so. the house to go into a complete new direction if they so choose to do. Yeah, so. and they should be able to do that, right? And that that should come with less backlash from, let's say, the fans or analysts. Well, they might see it coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just the same way when a new manager comes in and the coach is probably gone, you know, well, he was gone and now he's gone. And now what's next? Well, the players, some of the players are probably going to be gone. And I think that that's, uh, that that's where we go. So my original thought was going to be Ottawa just because I thought, you know, 
they want to shed more money off the books and get rid of guys. But then I thought about what they did last year, and they pretty much already have done that. Yes. They've they've cleaned out most they've of their tra- trade chips and assets, and by the sounds of things, they want to retain uh, Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne. So mm-hmm. the focus on, on that front is signing them. I, I heard that, uh, I guess, Stone's already been... Uh, apparently Stone's agent's already been having talks with the Senators. Uh, so I'm going to go over with to, say, New York Rangers. Uh, I know they did a lot of their fire sailing last year, but I think New, New York has already embraced that they're going to be in a multi-year situation Rebuild. here. They're, they're not, they're not going to go and finish, say they finish ninth or something or eighth and make the playoffs. They're not about to go, oh, shit, we're going to change directions yeah. real fast. It's like... It's it's like what the Leafs said a few years ago after they were good for one year. They're like we're not going to rush anything here. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Same yeah. same plan, same tra- tra- trajectory. Imagine barely, if they did barely change. got that word out. <laughs> but imagine if they did change though, man. Where we'd be right now? Like if they said, "Oh my God, twenty thirteen, we Who made knows? the." Oh my God, we beat the Bruins. Who knows, dude? What if we would have beat the fucking Who knows? Bruins? Don't go. Don't even do that. Why? Why would you do that to yourself? The team would be garbage. Why would you do that? You, oh my God. Well, it's a good question. Question. I mean, if we were to beat the Bruins in 2013, if we would have held on to that 4-1. Oh, yeah. W- 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 what would have happened next? Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a, uh, as big of a reality check for them. No, it wouldn't have been. But, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think uh, I think the Bruins beating us in Game 7 is basically the exact same thing as fucking Zach Parise tying the game against Canada in 2010. We were all fucking pissed when it happened. But then moments later, we won in overtime, and it was amazing. Kind of the same idea. Yeah, we were forget all, about it. Then. We were all pissed. So I didn't even know what you were saying at first. Yeah, okay, I see. Nobody remembers that But anymore, that's what I mean. Right? So we, we got beat. Uh, you know, we had the game 4-1. They came back. Bruins came back. They beat us. We were all fucking pissed off about it. Now maybe years later, because of that, we end up winning the cup. If they would have beat us, then there might not be or sorry if we would have be if we would have hang on and beat them there might not be a cup coming they wouldn't have had us. that serious look and change the teardown that yeah, huge teardown tear so yeah I, i'm going rangers though i think they're gonna i think they're gonna get rid of zuccarello and what possibly about, some other guys what about the king uh no i think he i think he stays because i don't think he wants to move and i think he has that kind of clout it's his right yeah no i i he's just that kind of he, I think he's a fucking stud, right? He's a superstar. Yep. If he says, Manhattan "No, man. I want to, I play my career out here, play my contract out here, and I might want another year, of whatever," he's not so going anywhere. Let me ask you something then, from a sheer like your personal opinion on this. Do you think that that is strange at all, in the sense that for me, for him to do that, it kind of for me tells for me. Yeah, for me, my personal opinion on for him, me for him, on him, on him doing that, that says to me that he doesn't really want to win as badly as someone else who would be like, you know, this is tough for me to do, but I want to win, so I want to be traded, like a Ray Bork. Like, are people gonna say, well, Ray Bork or or Matt Sundin or? Marion Hosa or any player that decided to leave strictly as a chance to win towards the end of their career. Are you going to, are you going to like butt heads with those players when you compare it to Lundqvist or the Sedins who oddly enough, both Swedish, none of those guys wanted to leave. So what's the question? The question is, what do you think about that? Like, how do you put those two players next to each other? A player that wanted to leave to win versus a player that 
said, I don't want to leave, even to win. I don't want to leave. I want to stay here. I respect the decision because most often, and I'm sure the situation with Lundquist is, I don't want to leave New York. I yeah, live in leave New York. my family. and I, I live in friggin' New York. I've been the man here for like over a decade. Yeah, but he could you're, go you're, But he could you're go so somewhere. comfortable, you know what I mean? And you have no idea how that's going to that's gonna go for you, right? But he could go play somewhere and it might but only what, be what for team, 18 months. But what team is gonna, needs a rental goalie that's on the verge of winning a Stanley Cup? Yeah, that's, good that's point. That's a goaltender away from winning a Stanley Cup. So it's, it's, it's high risk for you in that situation and – you know, he he might have seen that that run that we talked about earlier that the Rangers had and thought that was my, you know that was our shot. It didn't yeah, work. Yeah, it out. didn't work. You know what I mean? I'm right ready, off into I'm, the sunset. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. I guess I I don't know. We don't know. Like I said, I don't even know for sure. But yeah. that's my impression of it. I I completely understand why some guys just don't want to operate. It's like Matt Sundin at the end of the day. He didn't want to leave Toronto. No, I not know. even yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and it, it, he could have got traded probably to a contender at that time. Oh, absolutely. You know, there, and teams would have lined up to 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 pull him in. Yeah, for so. for a for a playoff run, I couldn't agree more. But see, for me on the other side, I respect the decision made by other players that do want to leave. Oh, of and, course, and go win. Oh, yeah. So that. That's where I was kind of asking you what you thought about those two athletes. Athlete number one yeah, that like says, I'm not I want to win. I yeah, want to win first I'm not going to say like one, I, I think one is better than the no, other I don't for, th- for I don't making think so that either. decision. No, I don't think so either. I just think it, it is interesting in a sport that demands such high expectations from yourself. There's only 730-some players in the, in, the, in the world that get to play in the NHL. 730-some humans that get to play in the NHL. And you know, to kind of maybe want to just stay in a comfortable position instead of win that fucking trophy. It does surprise me. I don't, it's not that I'm saying I don't like it or I don't respect it, but I think it's surprising to me. It's, it's, it's interesting to think that, you know, winning isn't always the motivation. Yeah. Of, you know, it could get to that point for you in, in your career. I think as somebody who's, you know, what is he? 36, 37. Uh, to use Lundqvist as the example yeah, again, e- easy thirty six, so, probably thirty seven. Yeah. So at that point in time, too, you're you know you know you're at the end of your road anyway, and you know you're with an organization that's treated you well for however long, and you're comfortable. So I, I see it just it it's easy. It's right. Well, I wish him all the best. He's uh, born March two eighty two, so he's going to be thirty seven in 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 a couple months. Well, there you go, a month and a bit, but. Yeah, I mean, I wish him all the best. For me, though, I, I, I would, if I'm a close family member or, or friend, close friend or family member or something like that, I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of hoping that he would want to try to do something like that. But you're right. I th- your point about, you know, who who's going to bring him on is a good one. Um, you know, a team like Columbus, maybe uh, if they end up losing Bobrovsky, like their their tops, They're absolutely going to lose Bobrovsky. It's just how. Right. Good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what we found out recently. That it's all confirmed. The suspicions. I know we talked yeah. about was Bobrovsky recently when he missed a game for an incident, which was, I guess, him being a dick by the sounds of things. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really, I didn't read into that, but I mean, they could be, they could be an option for the guy, but I don't know. He could just go somewhere temporarily and try and do something. It's not like he's uprooting his entire fucking family and life to go somewhere. No, like, it no. would only be a short period of time, maybe 18, 24 months, and then, and then back to New York, maybe with a ring on your finger. 
Yeah, maybe. He don't want to put no ring on that finger. He just wants to stay in Manhattan. Sounds like he's, it's, uh, the, you know, the Rangers should really value his contribution because if they're going to go through a couple of years here where they're going to stink or be bottoming out, I mean, he's it's, it's kind of crappy if they're going full tank, but, you know, they're playing respectably this year. Yeah. So And I think part of the reason why is it's because of him. Yeah, well, my fantasy team would disagree with you, but... I know what you well, mean. Well, if you're counting on him to be a good fantasy goaltender, <laughs> you're not exactly going to get results there. Yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> All right, uh, how about one more before the break? Uh, or um, a couple more. I'll, I'll just quickly, uh, I wanted to mention today, I just noticed uh, a couple hours ago actually that uh, Paul Bri- Paul Byron was suspended for three games, Montreal Canadiens forward. Former um, Ottawa Valley Titan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Paul Byron uh, suspended three games for charging on Mackenzie Weger. Did you uh, for Florida? Did you see the play? I did not. You actually didn't. See okay, it's, I heard about. You it. should have a yeah. good look at it. Um, the only reason why I put it on here was because I I looked at it, and um, it's going to flow in nicely to I think your next point that you want to bring up about uh, about protection uh, for for players in this league. But um, he uh, he dumps the puck in. Byron does. He chases the defenseman back. The defenseman, uh, right-handed shot on the right side of the ice, he just winds up to take a slap shot around the boards, I believe, on the penalty kill. And he takes the slap shot, and then, of course, his shoulders are open after the shot is taken, and Byron completely leaves his feet, like, probably two or three inches before he even makes contact. Right. Most of the time, and you, you'll probably agree, most of the time you see the skates leave the ice at contact. Yeah, it's it's basically a, a result of the uh, collision of the, of the way they're hitting. Yes, yeah. exactly. But this one man, like he, like he, he started low and then he propelled himself upwards, right, right into the upper chest and fucking chin area, and it. I didn't like it. So I didn't it was like a head hit and a charging all rolled yeah. into one. Basically, now he only got a two minute minor, and in my honest opinion, it should have been a major. Really, on the get go. And I think we had that in one of the Leaf games recently where it was a brutal hit from behind and they only got two and I was fucking yeah, yeah. pissed off the yeah. TV. <laughs> like, how yeah, is that? Yeah. Not? And even the even the TSN crew, and we're not talking about Homer, Sportsnet, whatever you want to say. It was the, Ray and the TSN crew. Even those guys were like, I don't know how this isn't a major penalty. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a complete domination and a stupid play all rolled into one. And that's what this was from Paul Byron. And uh, he didn't. He only got two minute minors for charging, and then a three game suspension after the fact. He's had no fines or suspensions in his 397 game career. But for me, I think what that says is that they're cracking down on these like, uh, who cares uh, suspension like a one gamer, like the guy just loses a bit of cash and gets to stay at home and play Fortnite all day. Well, and it sounds because it's a violation of multiple rules. You know, like I said, the the head hitting and, and the injury, and the charging. You know, and then the subsequent injury, the right? concussion. So, yeah, so a good player though. Yeah, so good he's player. out. And like I said, I think that that flowed into what you wanted to bring up. I think you had something on uh, on Myrtle uh, on on protection, eh? So, oh it, yeah, that's right. The yeah. face shield, right? Like, because if Uyghur had a face shield on, there would have been no injury. Well, I mean, I can't say no injury, but he wouldn't have gotten rocked in the face. Well, it would have. It would have reduced it. So what I want to talk about is there was a case, I guess, recently where I guess BC Hockey had imposed a rule on Junior B, whereas they had to wear a full cage visor, essentially. And it was basically after Hockey Canada had been making presentations to the league about player safety, but also what cost. And it was, I guess, one of the biggest motivators was the cost that they were paying in dental work 
for, oh, okay. for players who you know who didn't wear full full uh, visors or cages. It's a good point. And or full face shields and players who didn't, and that it was presented a huge gap uh, in cost savings. It was like eight hundred thousand versus forty two thousand. What? So, so they were, so they that was I guess a big motivating factor, and there was uh, they anyway it was challenged in court because I guess the junior B league complained that it wasn't being imposed on the junior A leagues as well, which I found surprising because I I figure I figured they're all going to go down this road eventually. I I think because you right. look at the, well, the one number is if you want to speak in in a language that these leagues can understand, it's it's dollars and cents. Yep. But the other part of it is is the the player safety aspect of it because I. Some of the rules that the NHL, or at least the justifications for the rules that the NHL and OHL have come out over the last few years, have been really centered around the idea of player safety. But I always argued that if they really cared about guys' safety, why wouldn't they just make them wear the full gear, make them wear a cage? Because you can remember playing growing up, you get your bell rung lots, and you can still get a concussion wearing a cage and helmet. Absolutely. But... could you imagine if you weren't some yeah. of the times you got hit? Yeah. Like when you got popped with some guy dropped a shoulder into your face. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody got their elbow up under your chin. Or you got hit from behind. Yeah. Face, face to first the boards. Into the boards. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like you think about the, uh, the number of times more you would have been hurt had you not been wearing that. And it's, it's just a backward philosophy because how is it that the further you get in hockey, yeah, the it. higher level of hockey you go, but the less equipment you wear? I saw so that. So the game gets faster and more rough, but you wear less less gear. I did like that point that you put in the prep, and I, I didn't answer it in the prep. I wanted to wait until we were recording to answer it. And here's what I think for, is my answer to that. The players become more responsible. Like, way more responsible. You're right, because there's not as many sticks flying around and hack show shit going on. Pucks around the face area. Like, That's right. I've always said on TV, uh, you know, a huge clapper from the line, and it just goes fucking bang into the cl- into the glass. Yeah. Well, I, I don't understand how more serious injuries are no, aren't incurred from, like, huge clap bombs from the line that were, like, 6.3 feet high. When you see guys protecting themselves in situations, too, where they think the puck might come up, uh, covering their faces, like when they're going to block a shot in case it rattles off their stick. Because yeah. most times guys get pucks in the face. It's off it's, something. It's off some stick or yeah. something, right? Yeah. So which is it's very difficult to protect yourself from. But, it's you know, it, it, it goes back to your point about uh, as they become older, the players aren't, you know, there's not a bunch of bush league shit going no, on that's as right. much, yeah. right? It's but true. I, I guess from a physicality point of view, though, I mean, you look at the way some of the players, especially the fighters um, back in the day, wore their buckets. I mean, back in the day, I'm talking 2000s. You even see some stars still do it. They got the chin strap dangling, you know, halfway down their neck. Yeah. So if you get popped, that your bucket's gone. You're a yard sale. Yeah, and even now when uh, in the NHL, if you, if you lose your helmet, you're still permitted to, to be the, the, the Dale... Or uh, yeah, Craig McTavish, uh, bucketless wonder. Yeah, you get there. to you get to play without a helmet <laughs> yeah. for however long the yeah, shift goes back on. When, theoretically, back when we used to play, when I used to play NHL all the time, it was always the the bucketless wonder. Like if if one of your guys got his bucket knocked off during the shift, you'd you'd just try to score. Try to score. <laughs> you'd be like gassed. You keep him on the on yeah. this way too long. Yeah, yeah. You change the lines, but you'd keep your fucking indicator above him so yeah. he didn't go off on the line change. Nice. So anyway, that's my rant about the the face shields. Like I don't know if the NHL will ever go that way, and I bet you the players would push back 
against it because I understand the vision aspect of yes. it. Yes. Yeah, but um, if everyone's the, the same, then who cares? That's the biggest argument. But yeah. I mean, they already started forcing them to wear visors, so I think it's only a matter of time. The vision before it goes in that direction. The vision thing is bush league to me anyway, because why are uh, why is a goaltender like Andre Vasilevsky so fucking good if he can't see anything? Because yeah, really. he's got a fucking cage on, <laughs> yeah. like you know what I mean. It doesn't really make much sense. So, but well, anyways, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, what do you want to do here? You want to do a little uh, bit of a break and yeah, we'll come get back some and Leafs. Lots of Leafs burning takes coming your way. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, we're uh, nearing an hour already. So uh, it's fucking panic mode, Leafland. Everybody's freaking out. Everyone panic. We have to keep our composure. It's only January. We'll be back. All right, we're back, and um, it's Leaf. Uh, it's time for some Leafs here on the Pucks and Deep podcast. Again, a uh, quick reminder, uh, follow us on Twitter at PuckPod, at Coleman42, at Lesko Adam. You can find us there and join the discussion, and we always like uh, you know people joining the discussion, throwing things at us, their hot takes, or if they want our opinions on things. Glad to have it. And uh, I know we uh, heard a lot of opinions from the... Scotiabank Arena on Monday night on one Jacob Gardner. Jacob. <laughs> well, whatever. Full name. <laughs> Using his full name, you must be really disappointed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's mad. Is, what, what is his middle name? It is raining hot takes in the city of Toronto right now. Bit of a skid the boys are on right now. Yep. Bit of a skid. Bit of a skid. Yep. We all had those from time to time, some of them in our underwear and others in other moments of our <laughs> lives. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they got outplayed so badly by Colorado. Oh, the whole Monday game was night. bad. Like yeah. it's, it was one of their worst performances of the season. And I had mentioned to you earlier, but it's, it was kind of a shame that, you know, Gardner had that play and then end up getting booed by the fans because it made him into the headline. Yeah, it was a good point. Even though the whole team was garbage. Yeah. Like, you could have shit on, and and we'll get to this, but there's some things to be said about some of the the plays of the, you know, one Austin Matthews as well in that game, especially. Well, the game was trash from top to bottom. And you you couldn't have made that into a better point. Like, Gardner gets booed, and it becomes the story when the story needed to be how poorly the team played collectively. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there was there was some Miss Jakes and a, a very obvious one as well was the uh, the shorthanded goal by uh, Soderberg. And it was just deflating, right? You know, it's okay. So situation will oh. always piss you off. And, it, you know, I, I understand where people are coming from when you just like we've seen this before, soft on the puck. Well, I wanted to kind of shit with Gardner. I wanted to get your opinion on on something that I that was brought to my attention throughout some intense Jake debates, uh, you know, on social media. I don't think like, I think it's a nice goal because 
if you're looking at it from a Colorado perspective, it's a nice effort from Soderberg. It's a great effort. Yeah, he was, wins the battle and scores the goal. It was a nice gritty goal. Like it was it was a nice play. But for me though, it didn't need to occur is all. Like oh, of it, course not. If uh, if Gardner was was uh, had, you know, he, if he was a step behind uh Soderberg and wanted to be physical, then then there's no reason to even be upset. Maybe we're upset because he's just not able to win the play, but that's that's different. That's what we talked about last week, Lesko. Yeah. I talked about his ability to make a good play. I, he, I think he has a great ability. I think he has a strong chance of being able to make a good play on any play that you give him. My biggest problem was that he didn't want to make that play. He chose to do something else. And I don't know if it's because he's just the kind of guy that you know, be, uh, dances to the beat of his own drum. or I'm not even sure if he was trying to make something in particular like it was hard to tell it was well he looked like he just got beat but he went just got beat but he went physical so that was my thing my my (laughs) yeah he went to try and protect the pocket he didn't need to missed he he beat soderberg to the puck no he he should have been he should have been skating away you you would think yeah to the corner or if you want to go but if you want to go physical in that in that aspect like i'm not a coach i mean we're just here doing a two-bit fucking podcast in my basement couple of pigeons (laughs) but like you know in my opinion if uh if you beat the guy to the puck then the 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 first foremost important thing for you to do is just to get it as far away from your net as possible so even if he wanted to try and maintain possession he should have just poked it into the corner slash it into the fucking corner and then go one-on-one against Soderberg and if he beats you out of the corner there then so be it but I mean to engage physically without even addressing the loose puck which you won the race to yeah seems nonsensical to me, but I'm far from a fucking NHLer, so yeah, kind of, kind of interesting too. It, it makes you forget about the hideous turnover by Marner as well, and the blue line that caused the whole situation. And then, like we said earlier, the the teams play collectively that was horrible. So it all the heat ends up kind of one guy, and of course they all had to address it in the media after the game. Um, you can see, I, I thought Marner. This interview was the most telling. Is you can see, he was really upset about yeah, it. Yeah, like pissed he was, off. He was pissed off. Yeah. And, you know, I was I was a little bit pissed off too. I was pissed off, but more so about the game. But like, you know, I thought the guys who were booing were a bunch of dopes. Yeah, I mean, I I have a weird take on the booing. I don't like the booing. I wouldn't do the booing, but I'm not as i don't know uh, pissed off or offended or whatever fucking word you want to use whatever term you want to coin here i'm not angry about it happening because i guess i guess i'm a little bit more in the camp of people who think that they have the right to do that if you paid for your ticket i i kind of compare it to you know a customer complaining about a shitty job that you did. So whether it be a customer complaining to the manager because the sales the sales guy was just horrible, no effort, didn't want to do anything, didn't ask us if we wanted help or anything like that, just was terrible. So, or, you know, you hire a, a contractor to come in and do your kitchen and you're literally sitting there watch watching him do it and he's just not not doing a good job and not even really putting in a great effort to do it. Would you not complain? 
is it not the same? Because these fans buy the tickets, they show up to the arena, and they are watching a product unfold that they, you know, directly or indirectly paid for. Because part of the HRR goes to salaries, and so at the end of the day, when I buy a sweater, that the one I'm wearing right now that says Toronto Maple Leafs on it, a portion of that goes to a player's salary. So when I show up and I'm pissed off, why am I a dope for voicing my opinion? Well, I don't. I'm not saying they don't have the right to voice their opinion. I just think they're dummies. For, dummies for doing it. Well, just in in the in the circumstances we're looking at here, we're looking at a hockey game of a team that you're cheering for and that you want to win a hockey game that's trying to come back in a hockey game. Yeah, it's not going to help. There's and no. And you're going to start booing one guy. I mean, and I understand when I remember when the team got booed frequently. Yeah, the right? jerseys. And I, and I, the I totally, I totally waffles. get when people are are booing a team, but to boo one guy, how is that supposed to help the situation here? You know what I mean? Like how? Yeah. And I, it's you know, okay as a fan, it's not your job to help the team win, but I mean, I feel like it's your job to be supportive of your team. I agree. Right. I I think I think to answer your question though, it's I guess it depends on what kind of fan you are. It's a bit of right. A, I think it's a bit and of how a emotional you really are about it because. Oftentimes, you know, I get pissed off at a loss, but also I try and take a step back every once in a while before you start having emotional reactions and trying to look at things more objectively, I guess. Yeah, that's a good thing to do, obviously. Like I've I've had, you know, Facebook posts or But if you're some if you're some meathead who's, you know, twelve deep up in the up in the rafters of the rink, then all right, well if you're gonna start booing, I could see that happening. Well that's where most <laughs> of the mo- that's where most of the true fans actually sit. Yeah, they do. Is, is up yeah. there. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I agree with you. It does, it's not going to help. But I think I, I think it's less about the specific nature of what happened and the timing of it all. I think it's more of a general statement. Oh, it's about him, definitely. Like, it's a lot of this has to do with probably Game 7 last year and the yeah. fact that he's been here for eight years and that people have, you know, probably grown tired of mistakes. Yeah, again, very strong point. I mean, if he if he was just uh, recently acquired via trade uh, last year, and you know we thought he was part of the part of the solution to get a cup, and he was just in his second year here, I don't think we would be hearing any of this at all. Yeah. And you're that's such a great point by you. I guess to wrap up on him, you know, hopefully they move on from this, and I'm hoping that the fans don't feel the need to start booing this guy again, and. I just hope we see better hockey out of him as well because well, he's going to be. Well, I wouldn't hold your breath there. He's going to be a, a big part of this of this team if they're going to go anywhere well, in the playoffs for, for this year. Yes, for this year. I don't see him coming back next year unless it's on an absolute steal of a deal. It would have to be a steal of a deal, and I think we would also have to have acquired another strong defender. Yeah, I'd give it like a thirty-five percent chance. Yeah, I mean, it's there. Uh, it's definitely there. I don't think that there's anything, I don't think there's much that Jake Gardner could do outside of somehow like turning into a Norris candidate level performer, uh, you know, into the playoffs and leading the team in this and that. I don't think there's much that he can do to repair uh, the damage that's been done over the last few years. 
Well, I, I think the people who hate him. He's always been a polarizing player. So the people that hate him, they hate him. They're not going to change their minds. Yeah. See, and I'm, I'm. It's funny for me. I'm because I'm kind of floating around know, the if, middle. If, if I don't hate look, him. If people look at the numbers, right? It's it's very clear that he's a, a strong contributor to the team, right? But you know, you have those people who are just going to say regardless that they don't like him, and that's your choice as a fan. You don't like a guy. You don't like a guy. It's true. I mean, it, you're the word polarizing is so perfect because he is. He's got to be the most polarizing figure. Like people we've on had both sides. So many years. You have uh, oftentimes fan bases will agree on players. Tavares, he's sick. Nobody's debating whether he's sick or not, right? Yeah. But then you have guys that are in the middle that end up in this tug of war of people who think he completely sucks or think he's totally awesome. But I, I honestly, I would like to see someone with more of a, uh, you know, statistical background. And I'm speaking with reference to the analytical community. I feel like Jake Gardner is just such a perfect case study for the analytical community to review. And, you know, you want to, you want to try and have objective um, arguments and research from both sides because I think that he's got to be one of the, if not the most significant case study in terms of why does the analytical community think that Jake Gardner is better than he is and why do the non-analytical community members think that he's worse than he is? There doesn't seem to be a middle ground. There's Jake Gardner is way better than you think he is. Not only is he better than you I think, think he is, I think here are, are the reasons why he's you're really arguing. Good. You're arguing with the other side all the time, right? Like I noticed that a lot of uh, Toronto writers who um, use, you know, use a lot of numbers in their analysis yeah. um, are often trying to, I guess, swat at the fans or the people who are constantly on him uh, on this na- uh, narrative about him being terrible, terrible. yeah and you see, you see that with a lot of different players around the league i can't think of any uh, examples off the top of my head but i do notice that in in terms of like the, the people who follow and some of the media and members that cover the leafs yeah i see what you mean you get you're, you're combating you, you the, dig a narrative, in you right? dig in right and then you start really digging in and then it starts looking like you're over valuing something when you're not you're just arguing against someone who's undervaluing yeah. and the only way to do that maybe is to overvalue but i i just yeah i'll, I'll end it on that yeah. i think it's super interesting because i do think that the stats the stats fans will say that jake is better than i believe he is personally and then the other side will say that he's worse than i believe he yeah. is per- i don't agree because with i don't really agree with either side they're quantifying his impact on the game right yeah based on his, his comparison to his peers so it's and i it's as i talked about last week too it, it how he's one of our you know top defensemen but yet ends up in this situation that we're talking about whereas people are so uh so split on their opinions. Yeah, and he and you're right. I mean, he is he is one of our best defenders. And I mean, I'm reading posts from people on social media that are actually believing that he's one of our worst players. I mean, like, yeah, give me a break. We <laughs> have a great we have a great team, but like, come on, yeah, you know, like, there's just there's no way. There's I mean, three guys on the right side that, that are, are not yeah. even close to as good as he is, right? Like, yeah, that's right. Anyway, so. I I I guess. The other situation, and we'll get right into their their new lineups actually, because we, you and I had talked about this and whether or not, you know, when is Babcock going to finally start shifting things around? And coincidentally, I didn't realize this till uh, earlier today, but this is around the same time last year, I believe, yes, where he finally caved on some on some pairings and moved some 
pieces around finally. I got some Facebook memory notifications <laughs> this past so week of me are... <laughs> of me bitching about the same yeah, shit so that they're... I was bitching about last year. Yeah, so things have stagnated and we finally see a shuffle. So we've seen the the it looks like they're reuniting Hyman with Matthews and Nylander, which I was going to go off on because I didn't understand why Nylander was playing on the third line. I get the aspect of he's not playing well, so I'm reducing his minutes and kind of teaching a lesson or whatever you're doing. But when Matthews isn't going either, which he hasn't been recently, you need that those two guys going and ideally together. That was the plan coming into the year, right? And that was the plan and in the playoffs a, last this year. Is, this line right here, you know, uh, to go over to the Hyman situation, Hyman did not come off Matthews' wing for two seasons. Yeah, I would have never taken him off. And that. I think I never would have moved. Him I thought off it that was way. interesting that the original plan was to have the the Hyman Mariner combination. Oh, oh, I see it, and and maybe flip flop up the middle kind of thing. Yeah, and I think they might have realized that perhaps. Matthews needs Hyman more than say Tavares needs Hyman on his wing, and I think that's true. Yeah, and you know he has, and that's played, mostly experience. Yeah, and Matthews has played with Janssen, and he's been good with Janssen in in moments, and good with Kapan as well at a period earlier in the year. But I, I feel like when I was looking at his wingers, I'm sure he didn't walk into this season given the star power on the team, expecting to play with those two guys. Oh, well. And that's nothing against those two guys. Yeah. And I'm glad that Janssen's staying in the top six. But he and he's a hard worker and he's a digger, but he's not quite uh he's not quite as good at it or that aspect of the game as Zach Hyman, right? Yes. No, he's more of a skilled hockey player than Zach Hyman is. Correct. He but, can finish more. But that's not what that's not what's needed there. We already have guys that can finish there. And that's why having a guy like a Janssen on the third line is fantastic because now our third line has some finish on it. Right. And they, right? And they put some literal finish down there by putting Kapanen. So <laughs> yeah. Kapanen's lining up with Marlowe and Kadri. Uh, Marlowe's another guy who's been a ghost. Uh, Kadri. Oh. I liked Kadri's play in uh, in moments and games recently. Me too. But he's horribly snake bitten. Yeah. It's like that uh, season, I can't remember, I think it was like three or four years ago when he shot like uh, four or five percent on the year and he's shooting like two or three right now. Like oh, it's, it's just he's awful. Having a, he's having a tough call. But he's, he's getting robbed too. And hitting posts. and at, at one time, I think he hit the defenseman. Yeah. The goal, like the goalie didn't even make the save. He yeah, hit the defenseman yeah, in did. the shin pad. It would have went in. Yeah, he did. I thought it was interesting as well. Uh, uh, Matthews is... Ice time had actually gone down significantly in the last couple of games, and well, he's I, missing and, some time on the PP. And I don't, I don't, yeah, being on the second unit now, which that uh, that's a whole nother story. Is the power play look totally disjointed the other day? Um, I'm not sure if they're going to switch that up again or possibly try and revert back to the original plan because it was looking. It was looking embarrassing against the Avalanche. They I could just, not get it going. I just don't know why the plan isn't to just go back to basics and shoot the fucking thing. There's just there's no urgency to get it near the net. It's just a. Because they're looking for all these sexy cross yeah, ice backdoor. It's, it's just a cons- sauce consistent goals, right? moving it around. Everything's got to be a big big snipe for the, for them, and they got to learn that to simplify. That's what I think. But one more thing on that Matthews Nylander Hyman for me, man. Like I, people that know me well know how much I value Zach Hyman. Well, we've talked ice. about him lots. The I guys value him just so a beauty. Much. All he does is fucking work hard. And I remember in He's a perfect grit grinder. He is, and I, I remember in Matthews' rookie season. Of course, now we 
we've seen massive improvements from Hyman. Do not kid yourself. If you're listening right now and you're a anti Hyman guy like you or girl like you were uh, originally, you must have changed your mind by now because there have been significant improvements in terms of patience and ability to actually handle the puck, not just muck it up along the wall. He's made some nice plays off the wall towards the front of the net. He's pretty handy with it now compared to his rookie season. But if I go back to the rookie season, his centerman scores 40 goals as a rookie. Now, I understand his centerman is a generational talent, and he may have been able to do that with Adam Lesko or Josh Coleman on his wing. Well, I think as we move forward in time, I think we're confirming the fact that no, it wasn't just all about Matthews being generational and being able to do it with you or me. I think a lot of it had to do with Zach Hyman being there, creating space, creating opportunities. Well, you can't you can't take away the guy's contribution uh, to to any combination of players that he that he's playing with because he. You talk about guys who drive play a lot, and a lot of times it's in a, uh, say, a puck carrying or a zone entry context like Matthews or Nylander, but Zach Hyman drives play in a completely different manner. And it's like you said, it's plays along the wall, it's digging it out of the corners, it's you know quick passes from behind the net after he turned over a puck. Yeah, it's under value. I, I don't remember what game. Was it the New Jersey game, I think, was his first game back? It was. New Jersey game. Yeah, he had, was, he had uh, the first two a goals. Co- a couple assists on and, the first two. and created yeah. the other one but didn't get an assist on yeah, it. Yeah, that's true, dude. So it was the first two goals that the Leafs scored. And um, I'm usually in like a like a kind of like a chat group or something, like a thread of for the games while they're going on, right? And the first goal, you know, everyone's typing like, yeah, whatever, whoever scored it. And all I typed was Hyman. Because it was all Hyman. That puck should have been broken out of the zone easily by the Devils. And he got in there and stopped it from happening. And then immediately after that, the Leafs score. I think they scored a second goal very quickly. And it was like, oh, geez, here we go. Maybe we're going to beat up on them. We ended up not beating up on them. But that's that's for another story. The point was back-to-back goals for the Leafs. Back-to-back incredible uh, plays to keep a play going from Hyman. And it just, it goes undeserved. Yeah, he gets the assist. But everyone's talking about that sweet finish. But... Yeah, I know it's a sweet finish. And maybe the fact that Hyman kicked it out doesn't mean anything because of how sweet the finish was. But the finish would have never been a possibility if not for that second effort. No, he definitely demonstrated his value and and how sorely he was missed in his absence. As soon as he came back, he had an impact for the boys. So I'm really looking forward to maybe some impact uh, for him while he plays with his boy, uh, Austin Matthews and one goal in Matthews' last ten games. I don't. I can't think of a better way to get him out of the slump now. Well, I, it's it's got to happen, man. It's got to happen tomorrow night because oh, it's, that's no layup. Or Friday, that's right? no layup. They're uh, playing Tampa tomorrow night. Isn't Thursday it Friday? Night. Is it Thursday? No, Thursday night. My parents are down there going to going oh. to watch them in Tampa. And they're going to the going game to watch them in Sunrise. What? Yeah. Uh, a, oh, they're going to Tampa and uh, Florida. And Florida, yeah. Wow. They're, like some little package, I guess. They're going down. Uh, cool. Yeah, they, they get to go to both games. So. Oh, wait, so it, it wasn't just them buying tickets to this game? No, it's like a package deal. You and get, you get to go, what, yeah, they you bus get, you? Like, yeah, accommodations, transportation, all what? that shit. Yeah. I got to look into this. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. That does sound pretty cool. Well, hopefully they're our good luck charm, man. Well, I hope so because uh, they, they need to get back on track. And this game against Tampa – you got to hope that they play like they did, even though they lost the against last Boston. time they played Tampa. Or Tampa, yeah. Yes, and yeah. they did play fairly strong against Boston. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've got to they've got to get up for this game. I We've got to see something, man. There should be 
a level. There should be no shortage of motivation for a matchup like this. We should see. We should be able to see with our fucking eyeballs, not the stats. We should be able. The eye test should show us that the boys have dug in and found another level. Yeah, they've got to be harder to play against, and they've got to get back to playing strong team defense. Because I know um, we've talked about this before, but I know the that certain cast, certain members of the defensive cast, end up taking the brunt of the criticism. But a lot of the strength of the early season play the Leafs had was built around team defense. Five guys playing strong in their own end and moving the puck up and, you know, pressuring the puck carriers, not giving them giving them time, you know, trying to actually be difficult to play against. Well, and, I mean, it doesn't take the Pucks in Deep podcast to teach you that good defense creates offense. No. it Like, it, that's... It, it's obvious. It seems obvious. Be good defensively. Be be good positionally. You will probably get the puck back at some point. And then once you have it, don't give it away. And that's and that's where Babcock's coaching comes into is is he his systems are designed around team defense and then tra- and focused on transition to offense, right? How do they defend po- properly in their own end and then how they you know, safely move the puck up for offense. So, well, speaking of Babcock, I wanted to ask you one last quick thing, uh, touching a little bit on that Colorado game. Of course, the game where, you know, the booze rained down for Gardner and a lot was lost because of that. As you mentioned, I think one of the things that was lost, uh, as a result of the boo birds being the story was, well, two things involving the same player. What the fuck is Babcock doing with Kadri? What's going on? Kadri, makes the softest play in his hockey career and gets <laughs> Did he not stripped. know that six foot four, two hundred and twenty pound Miko Randon was lurking on him? Like I didn't know he was that big. Oh he's huge. That guy's a monster. I mean like that was so soft and and then they score and then the Leafs get a power play like I think it was maybe two minutes later. Like yeah. two minutes in the game time. Um Leafs get a power play and who goes on over the boards immediately? Kadri. I could live without Kadri on the first power play unit, and I I could see him getting getting shifted out of there in the not so distant future, then, especially if we don't see any improvements on the PP. Three ga- three minutes to go in the game. Goaltender pull, maybe an early pull by Babs. I don't care. You can have that debate <laughs> if you want to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't care. But he pulled the goalie, and who that is was ugly? Man. And who is out there in the empty net scenario? That was so Kadri. Ugly. Yeah. Because, Why? Because they're putting the uh, the full power play unit. He should have been right? a grocery stick <laughs> after the whatever halfway through the third. There, like I don't know, man. He was not going. And I I agree with you earlier when you said that you like to see or you like what you see in spurts from Kadri. Mm-hmm. I would even go a, further and say mostly I actually like what I see. But from you want to see you want to see repercussions. Repercussions. Jesus Christ! There I'm fighting is. words tonight. I want to see repercussions for <laughs> well, being it, shit. We saw it with we saw it with Gardner. He was benched for the what five minutes the second. Like I can't I couldn't even recall the last time I saw Gardner get benched since maybe Randy was coaching the team. We've seen repercussions this season. We've seen Nylander. We've seen Matthews. Well, we've seen, I, yeah, we've seen a lot more. We saw Mitch nice last time. year. Like, nobody's getting a pass anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, we saw I Mitch guess last now year. Now that right? the expectation is to be good and and to play it at, at an elite level, uh, there's no screwing around. There's just no accountability. Well, I was pissed off it's at good Babcock. To see, it's good to see some of the accountability coming in here. Um, I've been pissed. 
And well, I'm like, I'm glad to see some changes. We're seeing it with the ice time. I mean, you can only pat these guys on the back for so long, and you know, young guys are not. All right, this what are you NHL. saying? Man? This is the show, right? This is the fucking show. The Pucks in Deep podcast where we talk about the NHL. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention I thought was interesting was watching uh, That's Hockey last night. Pierre Lebrun was mentioning that uh, the Leafs were putting their first-round draft pick in play in their search for uh, the addition of a top-four defenseman, I guess, was, was where they're at. Uh, now you could go ahead and say that everybody's first-round pick is available for the right price, but I think yeah. it's especially notable because that – there hasn't been that kind of news in terms of what the Leafs are doing on that front at all. It has been quiet. And especially in the previous years under the Lamorella regime where we didn't get shit, right? Yeah. So I, I find it notable that that got out there and that also they're willing to do that because that's a break from where they were at in previous years. I think if you would ask Kyle Dubas even over the past several years, they were not open to trading their first round pick at all. Yeah. And, and and rightfully so, because we, we, we went through way too much shit after we saw multiple firsts and seconds. Yeah, absolutely. Prospects being dealt away and goaltenders being given up on. And, you know, it was just not a good thing. I think the last first Asset rounder management they, was poor. they traded was for Frederick Anderson, which was totally worth it. Yeah, of course. Uh, but, but if you make the right multi- move, it's had, all worth it. And they had multiple first rounders that year. I believe it was someone else's uh, first rounder they even traded that year. Anyway. Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, it might have been that the one castle that they trade. got in the castle trade. Yeah, yeah you're, I think you're absolutely right about that. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it, it is good if you make the right move. Obviously, it can turn out well for you. Hindsight is always going to be twenty twenty. So, I mean, if Frederick Anderson's not uh, great, then that doesn't look so good for us. But I, I feel like um, I wish I would have known a little bit more about Freddie Anderson back when we acquired him. Anaheim is not a team that I'm going to see a lot of. I, I do watch a lot of hockey, but Anaheim, I mean, we're talking late, late games. No, 10, I only, 10, I only starts, paid attention right? to him because I had him in my pools back in the day. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay, and that's a good, and that's one of the one of the great things that we talk about uh, for pools. Oh, and speaking of pools, um, I dropped the ball on my fantasy homework, so I have nothing for you uh, this week. But um, absolute guarantee, the Pucks and Podcast guarantee is that starting next week, I'm gonna have fantasy for you guys, and uh, basically just to give you a rundown. Disclaimer. It, yeah, the disclaimer. So. The, the pod releases every, you know, either Wednesday night late or Thursday morning. That's when people are consuming it. Um, you know, for the most part, everyone's listening on Thursday and then over the weekend. So because of that fact, every episode, I'm going to do fantasy uh, advice, scheduling, um, what, you know, what players you might want to be looking to add or drop because of the schedule that they have, what nights they play on, etc. I'm going to do that for you for the upcoming week so that you have all weekend to maybe listen back to the fantasy or take some notes and make your lineup adjustments as we get closer to the Yahoo fantasy playoffs, which I believe are only about a month and a week away, five or six weeks away. And here's my disclaimer for fantasy. Do not put a lot of stock into what I say because (laughs) I'm having a terrible year of fantasy. Don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> well, how many pools you got on the go? I only got one. Oh, okay. And it's not going oh, well. It's not going well, eh? Fuck, no, and I'm always in it every year, and this year I'm not, and I'm very disappointed. Well, My draft strategy really took shit on me. Oh, uh, and what was that? It was it was going defense high, 
Oh, I'm trying see. to get those different men oh. making defensemen, and none of them have panned out this year. But I like that strategy. It's yeah. called it's called uh, the one guy that I was on the you know I went down to Syria. Yeah, yeah. right? The one guy that was on there, he wrote a book about fantasy, and he right. calls he calls it the separation factor. Right. So you being able to acquire those players that have a clear clear separation between them and other guys at their position, like yeah. a guy like Eric Carlson or whatever, right? And then if it doesn't go, it doesn't go. Yeah, I, sh- I should have went a little more for high-powered offense just because I was looking at comparisons, some of the guys leading, and that's that's yeah. where they're killing me is just straight up on goals. And Anyway. All right, well, we'll keep that. That's your little tidbit for uh, the upcoming uh, episodes, so we'll have some more fantasy for you, and we look forward to uh, being able to bring that for you, and we look forward to uh, everything coming up here in the NHL. We're already halfway through the season and looking forward to what we got in store for the next few months hopefully some leafs w's yeah hopefully some leafs w's all right at puck pod on twitter at coleman 42 at let's go adam thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next week